Eat Drink DFW from the Dallas Morning News is made possible by Central Market. Hey, North Texas food fans, welcome to Eat Drink DFW from the Dallas Morning News. Each week, we dish on the local restaurant scene, food and drink trends, cooking and shopping tips, and unpack everything that makes North Texas one of the most vibrant, diverse, and ambitious food scenes in the country. I'm your host, food editor Aaron Bookie, and today we're going to talk about food news, answer a listener question about Pulp Fiction-inspired diners, and interview chef A.Q. Pittman of Jose Restaurant. It's going to be really fun, and it all gets started right after this. Central Market is really into food. Like fish flown in so fresh it still has jet lag into food. Our sourdough starter has been around since grunge was a thing into food. We're talking more prime cuts than a greatest hits album into food. Central Market is really into food. If you are too, then we're the HQ for you. Whether you're a make every recipe in the cookbook foodie or a my favorite recipe is reheat type who just digs the delectable, no place makes every day more delicious like Central Market. Really into food. Shop now at centralmarket.com. Welcome back, everyone. We're so excited to have you here for our show. This is going to be a good one, so be sure to visit dallasnews.com slash food after this for detailed show notes on everything we talk about. And if you want us to answer your questions or talk about something specific, send us a voice memo via our form at dallasnews.com slash food or email us at eatdrink at dallasnews.com. Later on, we'll be talking to Chef A.Q. Pittman of Jose Restaurant in Dallas. But right now, I'm joined by food reporter Claire Baller and our producer, Natalie Keough, to talk about all the food news this week. And Claire, I know you went to the Texas Restaurant Association conference this week. What are some interesting things you learned there? I did. So I went on the last day of the Texas Restaurant Show, which is an annual convention that's held in different locations each time. This year, it was in Dallas at the K. Bailey Hutchinson Convention Center. And it's it's pretty much what you can imagine, a huge uh, multi-day event with just like a sea of booths of all different restaurant vendors and suppliers. And the thing that stood out to me the most was there were so many robots so many restaurant robots everywhere. Um, and I talked with one vendor who was there promoting their restaurant robot, which is a hostess <laughs> robot. So instead oh. of like the robots that you see that will just bring drinks to your table or where you can like take your order, this one will greet you at the front of the restaurant and has a screen where you can pull up your reservation and then it will like beep, boop, beep, tell you where to sit and like take you to your seat, <laughs> which I have not seen one of those in action yet. No, I haven't either. Did that robot have a name? It didn't have a name, but it had a bow tie. Oh, oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah, robot. It, it had a little suit <laughs> and it was blasting music, but I didn't catch its name. And Rave was- robot. Yeah. So that was that was interesting to me. Sometimes I wonder when I see things like that, I'm like, is there just a lot of hype around this new technology right now? Or will this actually translate to a lot of right. um, real life uses? We, we know that there are restaurants around DFW that are using these robots, but not a ton. I wonder... Yeah. If we'll start to see more of that or, you know. As a customer, the novelty kind of wears off after the first, you know, like when you first see it, it's like, oh, cool, a robot's bringing me my food. But after a while, it's like, Oh, yeah, it's the robot again. You know, like there's yeah. no <laughs> interaction. You know, I've taken my child to a couple of restaurants where there have been robots and it was super cool the first time, you know, fun for kids. 
but as a customer, it is kind of odd. Yeah. Sometimes you just want a real human to yeah. answer your questions. And I don't know, we're like always have screens in our faces all day. So it's kind of nice to sit down for a meal and, and not have that. But I get it. We're in a labor crunch. So, you know, mm-hmm. there's a set of restaurants called Tian Tian on Frankfurt and Preston. And one is a dim sum place and the other one serves just like really incredible pecking duck. And I went to the one that serves pecking duck. It's like on the corner of the shopping center. That was the first time I had an interaction the with first robot, a robot interaction. <laughs> yeah. And robot encounter. It was, it was funny because I guess as this specific robot was going through and delivering drinks or giving, you know, sides or whatever, it would play music and the entire restaurant would kind of like hush as this restaurant was like going through and like playing music. It was like, excuse me, I'm making my way. Um, And then you would pull everything off and tell it, okay, you know, I've got it. I've got everything that I need. And then it would go back to wherever it decided to you know, post up. I do like a human interaction. I like mm-hmm. talking to people. And whenever they do send a robot to my table, I am a little offended because um, I do think <laughs> that, that maybe it's a sign that, you know, the people who work at the restaurant don't like me. <laughs> like send the robot to that table. Yeah. <laughs> can't deal with them anymore. Yeah. That's a robot table. <laughs> okay. All right, cool. Well, we'll definitely keep an eye out for more robots in restaurants. Because I think that's definitely a trend. Okay, so along the lines of the labor crunch, there's also been another shortage announced recently. I read in Food & Wine magazine and also in Reuters that there is a global chickpea shortage that is driving up hummus prices, which is kind of more terrifying to me than, than other things because I really love hummus. But I haven't seen any of that in my grocery store recently. Have you guys seen any of that? No, I don't think I've noticed higher prices, but it's also so hard to tell because everything right. is more expensive right now. Right. Um, I did just over the weekend make a giant chickpea salad, mm-hmm. like think potato salad, but with chickpeas. It was this oh. New York Times recipe and it was so good. It's like loaded with herbs and dill. And I'm very sad to think that <laughs> I might not be able to make that. I was, I literally was like, okay, new recipe. This is going to like go in the cannon for the rest of the summer for me. Um, right. So maybe I need to go buy yeah. some more cans. Chickens. <laughs> I haven't seen anything recently. I don't buy hummus all that much, but I did see funny enough, um, a TikTok yesterday of this woman who is making like budget friendly mm-hmm. meals. And one of them included, chickpeas and it was just like making hummus or, you know, putting them in the air fryer and putting it on top of a salad or something. Right. Um, so I wonder if that will spark a chickpea movement. I don't know. Oh my gosh. <laughs> because Yeah. Yeah. It's like a recipe for a disaster with having a, a shortage coming and a viral TikTok trend. Yeah. yeah. It's like chickpeas are screwed. Yes. <laughs> I can't imagine how much or how expensive it could get. It's already kind of pricey. They're already up. I think I read like Something like twelve percent since last year, chickpeas are, yeah. and like seventeen percent since the the pre pandemic cost yeah. for them or something. So yeah, it's a super big bummer, and yeah. I love hummus. I mean, it, it it really is like a staple of of my diet. So thanks for the concern, Aaron. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> and I think the um, the reason that there's a shortage right now, it's a combination of factors. Apparently, production of chickpeas was down in the United States already, but then the war in Ukraine also affected it because I think mm. Russia is um, a big exporter of chickpeas. And this Reuters reported that the global chickpea supplies may drop as much as 20% this year. Whoa. And this is according to the Dubai-based Global Pulse Confederation, which I had no idea existed. So I thought that was kind of interesting that there's a Global <laughs> Pulse Confederation watching all of the stuff for us. So anyway, uh, Ukraine was unable to plant its typical chickpea crops and things like that. So I guess we'll keep an eye on on that shortage. And since we all buy chickpeas and hummus. I'll be curious to see if restaurants have to raise their prices on hummus or in some yeah. cases, hopefully not, take it off the menu. Yeah, some Mediterranean restaurants and things like that. Maybe they'll pull a Costco and just <laughs> keep – you know how Costco kept the rotisserie chicken at four ninety nine. Like they were not going to raise it despite right. the cost of chicken um, increasing. Um, maybe they will – Pull a Costco at the restaurants <laughs> and just keep. I like that term, pull a Costco. <laughs> pull a Costco. I'm a big Costco lover. I do. It's like my homeland. I just yeah. I love it there. <laughs> now this kind of makes sense because I was at Costco last week and was looking to buy hummus and mm. they didn't have some of the options that they normally have. Oh, wow. So now I'm connecting the dots. Yes. <laughs> Yes. I also <laughs> noticed thing, going back to the viral TikTok thing, um, I tried to make uh, the Jennifer Aniston salad. Oh, yeah. A while mm-hmm. back. And it's something it's similar to most salads that I've made before, just like grains and beans and veggies and herbs and stuff like that. So you're saying but, that it's not worth the hype? No, I mean, it's just a normal <laughs> salad. <laughs> It's like, okay, I've made this salad before in many different ways. But I think but if you original... eat it, you'll turn into Jennifer Aniston. Oh, so. okay. I didn't know that. I'll have yeah. to try it again. <laughs> you didn't it didn't work last time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I did notice the original recipe called for bulgur wheat. Mm-hmm. And I think I had to use like quinoa or farro is what I used because I could not find bulgur wheat anywhere. Oh, and I was like, is this because of the Jennifer Aniston salad that I cannot find bulgur wheat? I mean, it's not totally common grain that mm-hmm. you know people use a lot but still like i couldn't find it at you know whole foods sprouts any of those places so mm-hmm. i feel like if you um, couldn't find it at whole foods then, then exactly it's a problem yeah. yeah i was like where is the bulgur weeds they're Dang. like what <laughs> yeah they're like i'm trying to make the jennifer anderson salad <laughs> on people don't you know <laughs> all right well we'll definitely keep our eye out for more shortages and viral tiktok trends colliding also coming up this week in case you missed it restaurant week is coming up in august actually but the reservations opened on monday july 11th and these usually get snapped up pretty quickly they also released the restaurants that are participating this year and it's a lot of steakhouses usually there's like albernay's um, I think the new Wits Steakhouse, there's a lot of the Brazilian steakhouses on there offering deals for lunch and dinner. There are a couple of new ones on there. Don Artemeo is really popular in a new one. So I think that one will probably be snapped up pretty quickly along with Harper's, which is another new restaurant. So anyway, keep an eye out for that. Go to dallasnews.com food to get details on how to make your reservation and which restaurants are participating. All right. Thanks, guys. Stay tuned as we talk to Chef AQ and answer a listener's most pressing question about retro diners in Dallas. 
Central Market is really into food. Like when we say cheese, it's in 12 languages into food. Butchers, bakers, and sushi roll makers into food. We're talking so obsessive about quality you can shop blindfolded into food. Central Market is really into food. If you are too, then let us turn your shopping list into a treasure map. Get inspired, get adventurous, or just get a chef-made dinner when you've got more taste buds than time. No place makes every meal more amazing like Central Market. Really into food. Shop now at centralmarket.com. Welcome, everyone, to Eat, Drink, DFW. We have a great segment for you today. I recently had the pleasure of hanging out with Chef Anastasia Quinones-Pittman, affectionately known as AQ, at Jose Restaurant on West Lover's Lane recently. AQ has honed the modern Mexican spot since 2018, when she transformed the menu and turned it into a hotspot of culinary excitement and creativity. Here's what AQ had to say about her vision for Jose. You know, when I first started, there were really good bones already in the restaurant. The menu was great. The food was really good. I think the ownership really wanted to take a deeper dive into what it meant to to create more uh, regional Mexican food as opposed to just one region in Mexico. The restaurant is inspired by their travels to Jalisco, where they met Jose Noe Suro, who is a very famous ceramic artist in Guadalajara. So all the paintings you see on the wall were pictures from an iPhone from all of their travels. So I didn't really want to mess that up. And it was a big task coming in and, you know, making sure that I didn't really screw with the history too much. But it was important for us to dive in a little bit deeper into what my roots were, you know, with Mexican food in Dallas. And um, it wasn't too hard. She's also developed a lot of key dishes for the restaurant that regular customers return for again and again. Here are some of those. I would say definitely the aguachiles, the crudos, um, the ceviches. A big part of their travel, some of their favorite restaurants are seafood concepts in Guadalajara. So I wanted to really honor that. So when they came to eat here, they were flooded with memories and, and whatnot. So seafood plays a really big part in a lot of the menu and the dishes that we create. But my favorite dish would have to be the carnitas which are just, you know, really crispy, but also very tender um, pork tacos that you can create. It's kind of like build your own. And I think it's my favorite just because of all the layers and textures that you create. So, you know, you could definitely add or take away from each taco that you create. And it can be a completely different dish on, depending on the day or the taco that you create. Fun and creativity have also always been a part of AQ's cooking. She's especially known for her flavored masas, which have an interesting backstory. Here's more on that. The idea for masa started when we were unable to use a molino. Um, back when I was at Comali, the health inspector did not like the use of our molino, mainly because the machine was from Mexico and it was rusty and it didn't have the outlets we were supposed okay. to use. So they weren't approved by you know the health inspector here in Dallas. So we had to shut it down for a little bit and I needed to find another way to create flavored masas or get some sort of creativity back into the, the taco. And so we just started blending purees and we actually started using maseca and i thought you know how boring what else can we do with this and instead of adding water to the to the masa we would add a carrot puree or beet puree or you know cilantro puree and it just kind of like brought the tacos back to life so we don't do a ton of that anymore because we do have a molino now and we do okay. uh, grind our own corn but every once in a while it's fun to kind of play with that again and here's her take on how her creativity has evolved over time and what she still gets to experiment with i think because i'm coming up on four years it's more fun for me to recreate dishes that i did year one year two and just to kind of see how you know our palettes have evolved how my creativity has evolved how my staff has evolved from where we were four years ago. So there's are very few ingredients that I can play with anymore. Yeah. Um, it's more 
So just kind of recreating old dishes and having fun with plating technique and, you know, seeing how far we've come in four years. Now, Jose has really set the bar for a new wave of Mexican cuisine in DFW. But AQ has also helmed some very memorable and very missed Mexican restaurants in Dallas, like Alma and Kamali. Here's what AQ has to say about how Mexican cuisine in Dallas has changed since she started cooking here. You know, starting Alma in 2010, 12 years ago, it seems like just yesterday. But I don't feel that Dallas was completely ready to experience, you know, what true Mexican food is. And, you know, we're, we're in Tex-Mex country. So it was very difficult to kind of sell a plate of mole or sell a plate of even menudo, which is a tripe soup. And now we go through five gallons in a weekend. It's something very simple. So we've definitely evolved in that way. And I feel like traveling had a lot to do with that. I feel like once people um, discovered Oaxaca and Mexico City and you know, San Miguel de Allende, I mean, even like Cabo and Cancun, you know, these resorts are really, really, really making amazing food. People are coming back and expecting that in their hometowns. And so that made it a little bit easier. What also made it easier is, you know, local taquerias and other Mexican restaurants really, you know, pushing their boundaries and fighting back against Tex-Mex. And don't get me wrong, I love Tex-Mex. I grew up on Tex-Mex. I had Tex-Mex yesterday for lunch. I crave it. But there's a very, there's a very big difference between what we do here and what Tex-Mex food is. And I think the the sooner we can distinguish that, the easier it's going to be for us to all kind of evolve together. It's also so inspiring to see a woman, especially a woman of color and a mom, have such a strong influence on the Dallas restaurant scene. Here, AQ talks about navigating the restaurant world as a woman and how she's found her support system. There's two parts to that. I mean, as a woman growing up, seeing my mom just kind of hustling and doing what she did, it wasn't difficult for me to just step into a kitchen full of men and say, all right, let's do this. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I've had kitchens walk out on me here and yeah you've heard the stories um and for no other reason than the other than you know change is scary and it could be uh difficult in the latino community to be you know told what to do by a woman so listen i get it but the challenges didn't really come for me in that sense and i hate to say that or admit it because i know there are challenges for women in this industry but because of my upbringing and because of the way that my mom kind of, you know, put her down and work and just go, keep going and don't take no for an answer attitude. I didn't really experience a lot of that. Now, as a mom, that was really difficult. But I have an amazing support team. And with my my parents, you know, my husband, my daughter's father, even my siblings, you know, my brother's picking up my daughter from school tomorrow because I can't get away. So, I mean, it was really important for me to have that support system. I don't know that I would be who I am today without them because they have really just been there for me the entire time. AQ also had a lot of food influences while growing up in Dallas, but especially from her mom. Here she talks about what an inspiration her mom has been. I think growing up, like Mexican food wasn't a huge part of what we ate at the dinner table because my mom catered and cleaned houses and worked a lot with other families. We ate a lot of the things that she was preparing at other families and those families didn't want Mexican food. So when she would come home, she had a a big plate of turkey tetrazzini or chicken a la king, you know, the stuff that people were eating in the 80s and 90s. So for me, Mexican food was more celebratory. So on the weekends, you know, we would run to the farmer's market and get the calabacitas con pollo and tomatoes when they were ripe, watermelon. This was back when the farmer's market was, you know, in its heyday where every row had just was bustling with fruits and vegetables. You know, we didn't have uh, everything we wanted growing up, but we always had food in the home. And so for me, that was really important to show my daughters that, okay, so you're not going to get the most expensive shoes for school this year, but you're going to have 
any fruit you want on the table. You're going to have the dinner that you, your favorite dinner. So for me, food has always been like a celebratory experience. My husband actually cooks most of the meals because when I want to cook, it's got to be an experience. So he's like, let's just have spaghetti tonight. (laughs) But again, growing up, it was a it was, it was very different. When I was approached to do Alma in 2011, and, and they were like, we're going to make Mexican food. And I was like, well, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> I mean, I know the basics, but like, I need to dive more into this. And I think it's, it's taking this long with a lot of help from my family and their recipes and their experiences growing up to really like learn the craft and learn what it is to make you know, regional Mexican food. AQ also takes as many trips to Mexico as possible. And here's why that's important to her. I try to go as often as I can with the pandemic. It was very difficult, but every three months is just something that I need for myself for educational purposes and to kind of recharge, to kind of plug my batteries back in and learn more. And every time I go back, I learn something else, whether it's about family history or a new chili that I never heard of or plating technique or dish, it really charges my batteries. And it's necessary for what I do because although we do have the same menu, it is seasonal. I don't want redundancy and I don't want my staff to get bored and I don't want them to to become complacent. So I'm constantly keeping them on their toes with like, look what I saw or look what I brought back. And, you know, they're always excited to see like what they can learn too because we're learning from each other and they get to see new things. So uh, Mexico is, is very special to me. And I hope to one day have a home where I can just throw my bags down and not like live in and out of hotels or Airbnbs. <laughs> Thanks so much, AQ. Stay with us. Coming up in our next segment, Claire and I talk about retro diners in Dallas. That's right after this. Hey, listeners, this is Christopher Wynn. I'm the arts and entertainment editor for the Dallas Morning News. And that, thankfully, includes the food team that you're listening to right now. What I love about this beat is that food stories are people stories. Restaurants say a lot about who we are, our culture, and the health and well-being of our communities. If you want to help continue supporting this good work, it's easy. Just subscribe to the Dallas Morning News and become a member. You'll find a special offer just for listeners at dallasnews.com listen. everyone. Welcome back. So Claire and I are back to answer some listener questions. We've been getting some really interesting stuff from all of you that has been fun to brainstorm and research. So keep the questions coming. Send them to eatdrink at dallasnews.com. For now, Devin Pike of Dallas wants to know about diners. Here is Devin. Hi, this is Devin Pike from Dallas, and I'm watching Pulp Fiction for the 19,000th time. There's the scene in the diner, which is a really L.A. kind of vibe. You know, it's a coffee shop. It's been there forever. And we've got stuff like Denny's and IHOP, you know, all the classic chains here in North Texas. But I'm curious if there's anything that is close to that mom and pop diner experience here in town. So I'm hoping you can uh, give me some guidance. Okay, first of all, thank you, Devin. I love the Pulp Fiction reference. I haven't watched the movie in forever, but I'm assuming that Devin means the diner from the beginning of the movie with Pumpkin and Honey Bunny and their robbery. That diner has a real 70s California vibe, but there's also the scene of the twist contest, which is held at a more 50s-ish diner. But I'm going to assume he means the the 60s diner. Claire, what do you think? Uh, Okay, 
confession time. I've never seen Pulp Fiction, <laughs> but just for you, Devin, I went and watched the robbery scene on YouTube, which I will say, having absolutely no context for what else is going on in the movie, um, it, it made for a confusing time. But it was, yeah, it was good scene setting. It was good to see the the diner of reference. And the first thing that popped into my mind, granted, it's a different time period that this diner is is going for but lucky's cafe on oakland in dallas oh yeah to me like when i think of a classic diner around that is what i think of it has the black and white check floors neon signs the what is it i guess laminate booths mm-hmm. that i think are an absolute prerequisite for a good diner like your skin needs to peel off the seat when you stand up <laughs> At a diner. Like, I think that that just has to happen. Um, and and Lucky's is a good, place, a good place for that. So that's one. And then we actually have, like, quite a few diners around DFW yeah. that I didn't really realize until sitting and, and thinking about this. But there's also um, Original Market Diner on Harry Hines. There's the Diner of Dallas and Farmer's Branch, which is a very 1950s diner as well. Erin, what diners do you frequent? I mean, when I think of a diner, a Dallas diner, the first thing that comes to mind is Norma's. And I think of, you know, chicken fried steak as big as your face. Like Mm -hmm. that's what a diner is, but also smells like coffee and eggs. At any point of the day. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, especially late at night. Like that's extra special. I also love Mama's Daughter's Diner um, Mm -hmm. with a few locations um, around DFW that has a very classic diner feel. I also love Poor Richard's Cafe in Plano. I think that one, people don't remember that one a lot or go out to that one. But in Plano, it's like, it's kind of a big deal. And it's really fun. And it has that really classic vibe with regulars and all of that. Unfortunately, like Dallas has lost some of its best diners. You know, Crossroads Diner didn't make Mm -hmm. it through the pandemic. And that was a huge loss for Dallas. And also thinking of that first diner scene in Pulp Fiction with like sort of the 60s retro look. Yeah. um, It really made me think of Easy's Diner, which was located on Northwest Highway a long time ago. And I'm probably dating myself because I don't know (laughs) when this was, but maybe 20 years. I don't know. But it was at Northwest Highway in Hillcrest, I believe. And it's okay. now a 7-Eleven. Like it got demolished and became a 7-Eleven. But it really had that cool, you know, sloped roof structure and the stone walls and, you know, the peel away seats. and yep. all <laughs> Peel away so, seats. I really miss that one. I know that probably doesn't help Devin to name all the closed ones, but. So they're good options. They're, yeah, we have some yeah. good options in DFW. Yeah, um, definitely. And places that you can get really good breakfast and really good burgers too. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's the good thing about a diner. Like they have everything. Yeah. You know, breakfast, lunch, all great coffee, and you can just hang out there all day. I don't know about their Wi-Fi, but. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe you don't go there for the Wi-Fi. (laughs) Yeah. You don't go there for the Wi-Fi. You go there to actually have like conversations or meetups and things like that. I appreciate this question though, because yeah, I have not seen Pulp Fiction (laughs) <laughs> and this was motivation for me to finally watch it. So thank you, Devin. I will uh, – that's assigned homework for me for Yeah, this week. you should watch the scene from the the twist contest too with okay. the at the 50s diner. I definitely okay. don't know of a place like that in Dallas because that was very unique and special. 
So I will, uh, like I said, put it on my, my homework list. So I'll check back in. Okay, great. Well, thanks, Devin, again for your question. And if anyone else has other questions for us that you want us to answer, email us at eatdrink at dallasnews.com. And that's all the time we have for Eat Drink DFW this week. Thank you all for joining, and I hope we've made you hungry for more. Also, we want to hear from you. We want to know what y'all are eating, drinking, trying, and loving. We want your questions, too. So fill out our form at dallasnews.com food or email us at eatdrink at dallasnews.com. We'd love to share your thoughts on a future episode. The show is produced by Natalie Kalmungun. To stay up to date on every episode of this show and hear more from our newsroom, just follow the Dallas Morning News wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, please rate the show and give us a good review. Find links to everything we do at dallasnews.com slash listen. You'll also find a special membership offer there just for listeners. For the news, I'm Erin Bookie. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.